Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast podcast wherever yard counts how are you all doing hope you're all doing very well indeed hope you had a good weekend i had some bumps and bruises playing american football uh, on sunday so a bit sore hope but hopefully you all fared a little bit better uh talking of bumps and bruises that's actually a very good segue which i didn't think of but uh, that's how genius i am we have two par coming up for you today and uh, tomorrow tomorrow's podcast as well we're going to be talking about all about injuries. We're going to all be talking about players from a fantasy perspective, but also you know the injuries themselves. What are they? Why are what happens? And why does it take like so people so long to come back from certain injuries? So we're going to be talking on today's podcast to Ethan Turner about injuries. So we're going to be talking things like concussions, you know, surgeries like Cam Newton's shoulder having two surgeries on a shoulder, etc., etc. Uh, concussions, uh, ACLs, and, and all in between as well. And then on tomorrow's podcast, we're going to hand it over to Rob, who's talking to Jesse Morris, uh, who will be talking from a fantasy perspective. So more fantasy, you know, kind of insight there uh, more of a fancy angle for you so i hope you enjoy that but yeah first up first uh, i'm not going to talk too much but don't forget to follow us at full 10 yard on the twitter um also have facebook instagram and all the rest of it as well uh, later on in the week or maybe starting next week we're going to be revealing our our assault on the regular season uh, loads of loads of things coming up in the pipeline so keep your eyes peeled for that lots of good news and obviously articles as well website full 10 yards.com for all of those some pre- divisional previews conference preview as well uh, as well as some other bits so like o-line rankings and second year players and all the rest loads of things to be getting involved with here at the full 10 yards podcast but for now we're going to hand over to myself interviewing Ethan Turner. Okay, first up on the two-part podcast, we have uh, we're welcome and delighted to bring in our friend across the pond, Ethan Turner. Ethan, welcome you in. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate you guys uh, taking time to bring me on. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I so say I'm as as a, uh, a sports massage therapist, and I know you told me off off air for saying physiotherapist because you're not really allowed to say, that, <laughs> say in America. But uh, I've done a bit of that in my time. I thought uh, injuries are obviously a big part of uh, of American football sports in general, and obviously fantasy football as well, which uh, we will get to a bit later on in the podcast. But I thought it would be good to have someone such as yourself uh, to to come on and just break down some some big injuries, some common injuries, and maybe some that we perhaps take for granted as you know for, for people out there maybe don't play sports and expects you know people like AJ Green to be able to turn up week one <laughs> of the season I, I thought it'd be good to kind of explore some of those but before we do that Ethan do you maybe want to talk about uh, a bit about yourself because obviously you're a part of many different brands and social media outlets and maybe give a bit about yourself first yeah so I'm a doctor of physical therapy so that's where the injury uh, parts of the uh, what I do is basically just focus on NFL injuries um, I do quite a bit of fantasy stuff as well a lot of dynasty work just because I think it applies more mm-hmm. uh, than just season-long fantasy you know if guy get in, gets injured he's out for the year oh well you just draft somebody different next year mm-hmm. um, dynasty it has a lot more uh, ramifications down the road so uh, I try to focus in more on that but I write for a lot of different websites I've written for fantasy pros i do a lot of work for um for dynasty 101 uh looking at injury histories for uh, players that come into the league um and i've got a lot of different projects 
uh, Dynasty Happy Hour FF Statistics. I'm on as a uh, basically just an injury consultant. Um, I don't actually write a whole lot for those websites just because now I'm working full time um, running a, a physical therapy clinic. So I don't have as much free time to actually like sit down and put pen to paper and write um, as much. But I do help the writers for those sites when they talk about injuries so that they're well informed. Um, I've got a lot of projects coming up this season this is the second full season that i've been able to do this kind of stuff so um i've just just signed on to be a, a fantasy football mercenary which is a new brand new uh consulting service so basically you can hire out um some 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 of the some of us to basically help you through your draft and there's some big names on that already i know you guys have uh, a friend of the show ff stompy um, Stompy is on on board with that as well, so I'm really excited to get into that. And then um, I'm working on uh, a, a new project that's basically going to change how college football looks at uh, injuries. It's going to be pretty big. It's going to be a lot of basically injury histories for uh, hundreds of college players, which is not readily available right now. So, I'm kind of spearheading a project for a site that that wants to do something like that. So, nice. A lot of a lot, lot of a lot of different places kind of pulling me around, but but it's okay. Um, uh, I really enjoy it. Injuries are my passion. Uh, it's part of the reason why I got into fantasy football. Um, and talking about it is just because I, I was so sick of just the average Joe trying to explain something with meta with medicine. And I was just shaking my head every time I heard a podcast say, oh, ACL tear, he'll be back in nine months. And yeah, I was yeah. just like, that's it's not quite that Man. easy. It's Man. not quite that. Uh, there's there's a lot more layers to that um, than what you're trying to say. So I really felt like uh, I could bring my medical knowledge and and that's I've been able to do, and I'm excited to keep going forward with that. Mm. Yeah, as I say, a question I had obviously down was, uh, you know, was it a case of uh, the lo- the love for the anatomy side of things first, to the- and then obviously couple that coupling that with your, you know, obviously f- fantasy football side of things as well. So it was it obviously the love of, um, you know, the the injury side of things that, that kind of got you into the into where you are today, and then obviously enjoying that with with obviously fantasy football, which is always on the up and up in terms of trending. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it really was, I was obsessed with fantasy well before I was ever, uh, in, into, uh, uh, the medical side of things. I mean, I started playing fantasy football when I was probably 15. I didn't get really into it until my dad hit me up. Uh, this is kind of a funny story. So he, he hits me up at like at four 30 in the afternoon on like a Tuesday. And he said, Hey, I just joined a hundred dollar, uh, fantasy football league. I need you to draft. Cause I don't <laughs> know anything about football. Uh, so (laughs) that was the first time that I'd ever put like serious money was on the line. And then, uh, once you, once you get a taste of that, I actually had to draft from my night class. Uh, I was I was trying to, to listen to a lecture and I was back on my computer, just like flipping back and forth between auction values and how I wanted to draft. I ended up uh, I'd never done an auction draft before, so that was that was an experience for me. But I ended up winning that league, and once you get a taste of like big money leagues, you're you're kind of hooked after that. You're like, wait a second, mm-hmm. I can I can actually be really good and make some cash on the side with this. Um, but then eventually you dive down the rabbit hole of dynasty football, and then it's just it, you never get out once you're in there. And now I think I have like ten or twelve leagues that I'm running right now. So it's uh, it definitely fell down the rabbit hole, and then. 
obviously the the niche for the community was that I knew a lot about injuries. So I always say you got to have your thing that you're that you're better at. Um, you can either do things better than other people, or you can do things different. And I didn't see a lot of people doing medical stuff. There's a few more now. Um, there's some good ones for sure, but. Uh, I, it's still a very small niche, so uh, I'm excited that I got got in when I did because I really feel like that's the next step for um, fantasy football analysis is just understanding the injuries and understanding how they play a role uh, when you're talking about these players. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Amen to that. And it sounds like you've got quite a, a few anecdotes there. So when's when's the Ethan Turner the autobiography coming out? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, uh, I don't know if I have that interesting of a life. Uh, but I definitely feel like there's 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 some things down the road. I've got a lot of projects in mind, so I'm I'm always constantly thinking of new ways that I can can benefit the fantasy community. And I really feel like this uh, the next wave of fantasy knowledge is going to come from uh, understanding injury histories and how those play a role down the road um, for future injury and understanding injury risk. So uh, I'm excited to jump into those kind of projects with these guys in college, so that when they come to the NFL. Uh, I can I can better assess their ability to uh, stay healthy. So that's that's my next big plan. But no autobiographies in the in the works right now. <laughs> if you do, uh, we'll we'll sell it from the street corners for you, Ethan. No doubt, no doubt about it. Um, let's 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 get on to some injuries then. Obviously, there's there's loads. Uh, yeah, every off season, if you if you subscribe to like Sleeper or Right World and or Bleacher Report, obviously this time of the season is quite scary for people in dynasty leagues because you don't want to see what the notifications are. Uh, but let's talk let's talk about some injuries. Obviously, that, that some players have experienced uh, over the number of years that so the obviously the NFL has been going on. Uh, the one the first one I want to start off with was uh, with, with was Cam Newton. Now, obviously, shoulder injury. He's, he's had uh, he had a second surgery. Uh, earlier on, uh, towards the back end of the last season and sort of start of this year, um, what, what's it? Obviously, surgery on any injury is, is always going to limit the flexibility of of that area that has been obviously worked on because of the scar tissue and what have you. But what, what's the difference between having surgery once or like in in Cam Newton's uh, shoulders? Um, yeah, he's, he's obviously had a second one now. So, what does what's that going to do to his shoulder in terms of opening up old wounds? To to use the cliche, and what can we kind of expect uh, from from you know, training camp and the games that he's played and all the news that we hear that he he's, he seems to be back to one hundred percent. But obviously, once you've had a surgery, you can never really be one hundred percent ever again. But what's it? What's it? What's the detriment of, uh, caused by a second surgery? Yeah, I think Newton's kind of an interesting case because he obviously had a surgery in twenty seventeen. That was for a rotator cuff tear. So. Uh, they had to go in and actually repair his rotator cuff. It was torn. Uh, it was not going to function unless they had did surgery for that. Next season after that, or I guess if that was in the preseason of 2017, so during the 2017 season, uh, career low in yards per attempt and yards per game. Uh, still had a pretty good fantasy year. Uh, I think any time a quarterback can stay healthy for 14-plus games, they're going to look okay in fantasy, and especially a guy like Newton that likes to run and get you those bonus points on the ground, that kind of cheat code. Um but, but the difference between that surgery and what he had this year uh, was that, one, I think it was pretty obvious to everyone that he was hurt by the end of last season. I mean, you didn't have to be a doctor. You didn't have to have <laughs> really any medical experience to go, there is something wrong with this dude's shoulder. He looks like he can't throw a football right now, and he's an NFL quarterback. Um, so what they did was they did an arthroscopy. So they, they actually went in with little little incisions. They took a... A camera and basically just said hey we don't know what's going on after the mri the x-rays the things that aren't as invasive let's just go in and actually take a look at what's happening in that shoulder um the good news is is that 
that surgery is not very invasive. It really isn't. Uh, it's not like a full-blown repair. Um, they can obviously switch it into a repair, but at first they just go to look to see what the problem is. Um, so that's, that's good news because what they found was that he had some damaged cartilage. Usually you'll find that, um, anytime he's had a, uh, you've had a, a major surgery, you'll end up getting some damaged cartilage is basically just arthritis. Um, the, the bones, the, the cushion of the bones is wearing down and now the bones are rubbing against each other. That's when you get that bone on bone, uh, that everyone likes to talk about in yeah. the preseason. But, uh, the bad news is, is that cartilage damage, because it is arthritis, um, it doesn't get better. There's no special sauce to fix cartilage. It's not like they can go in and, and replace the cartilage. They, they have some new techniques and that involve basically using stem cells to try to regrow some of it. And it, that has been, uh, has not really been studied enough in athletes for me to really talk about, uh, the effectiveness. I know that it helps, uh, like a, a Todd Gurley had the same kind of, in, uh, um, situation with stem cells is be this off season and the research is is promising but it's a brand new procedure stem cells are still pretty unknown on exactly how well they're going to work so the research isn't quite caught up with the technique but these are million dollar athletes they get the best of the best regardless of if it's actually uh been studied enough for the mass populace to be able to use so uh for me personally i was i was a little nervous when i heard that cam was going in for surgery but everything since the surgery was hey we know that it was a problem, but it was not as bad once we got in there, once I actually did the scope. Uh, so I think, you know, right now he's going at pick 93 in drafts, uh, quarterback 10 off the board behind guys like Jared Goff and Drew Brees. I, I expect Cam to play up to at least that, probably in a top five again. Uh, I really don't think that this is something that's going to prevent him from being able to play this year. You've already seen he's back. He's throwing bombs. Um, and he, again, will, he will always give you that rushing upside because I just don't think that he's uh, that good of a thrower um, to to switch to. It's, it's too late in his career for him to switch to just being a pure thrower. So you're going to get the rushing upside. I just feel like you take the injury discount on Cam this year just because – uh, he has top three fantasy quarterback upside, um, and and that's what I'd say about him. So there are two different two different surgeries for two different things. That's why uh, you have to dig deeper than just oh it's a shoulder surgery and then he had another shoulder surgery. Um, two different incidents. This second one was not as severe as the last one. So hopefully he can bounce back pretty quick. No, absolutely. I love love me some Cam Newton this this year. Absolutely. Uh, in the later rounds, as I say injury discount. I'm taking him all day with the say the rushing ability there as well. North Turner. Um, you mentioned obviously during the the explanation there about uh, Cam Newton's second one being a bit of a scope, uh, and the scope is also a bit synonymous with knees, isn't it? So just maybe want to take a, a minute to talk about like what's an, a knee scope and why what a common is it? Say with with the knees, is it the same as the shoulder where they just go? The scope is just a case of going in, taking a look around and see and see what's going on. Yeah, a lot of times teams will try uh, those non-invasive uh, procedures first. They'll try an x-ray. That'll show them how the bones are looking, um, the space between the bones, and then they'll do an MRI, which will show you the soft tissues, your ACLs, MCLs, LCLs, all those things. Um, what happens is, is a lot of times players get hurt, but they're not. They're, it's not very obvious on those imaging. 
uh, what's the problem. They just know that they have pain and probably swelling and some other symptoms. And so they, they go to the scope, which is the least invasive of the surgeries. So um, arthroscopy is, is the same thing as an, if you hear knee scope or arthroscopy. Um, Arthro just means joint. Scopy obviously is a camera, so uh, tells you exactly what they're doing. They're taking, they're making a small incision. They're going in with the camera, and they're basically just looking around to see what is wrong. Uh, a lot of times, you'll do. Uh, what'll happen is, is they'll get in there, and then they'll find something that's wrong, and then they can actually go in and fix the issue. Uh, the majority of the time, they can just fix the issue right there through the scope. So they put in these little tiny uh, tools, and then they fix it. Um, so you see that a lot with meniscus tears. Sony Michelle is a good example. He had a meniscus tear in the preseason last year. They never said it was a meniscus tear, but based on his recovery, the fact that he had surgery, the symptoms, he had a meniscus tear. Um, so that's why they do it. Basically, they don't know what's going on, so they, they have to get eyes on it to see what they can find. Um, sometimes they don't find anything and then then that's where it gets a little bit trickier because uh is it swelling what is the the issue but most of the time they'll find some type of uh issue even if it's just like a floating piece of bone or something uh that they can just <laughs> remove right there so that is that is why they do the scope first before you go into like major open knee surgery or anything like that okay so yeah so they say the next so if it, if it generally in a scope is okay so what is it is there any, actually any complications you can get from a scope say apart from obviously finding something worse or <laughs> funny things like floating bones which uh, you know starts the imagination running wild a little, a little bit but so, so generally because a scope is not very, very invasive isn't is there anything complicated that can come out of that if it, like... well i think it's uh, the the complications are it's it's a pretty safe procedure overall. The complications are just normal uh, surgical comp uh, complications. They obviously have to knock you out to do it. Um, so anesthesia can, can, can cause some issues with some people. Some people don't respond well to it. Um, infection is always a risk. They did break the skin and go in. Um, it's not a huge risk with players for the most part. Um, Infections are more, you're, you're more at risk with a guy like Alex Smith, who had the bone basically sticking out of his leg. Um, high risk of infection. There was almost no chance that he didn't get an infection. Um, this is a very controlled environment. They break the skin and they go in. Um, but it's still a risk. Anytime you have a surgery, infection is going to be a risk. But as far as major complications, like from an athletic perspective, sometimes guys can come out and they're a little stiff. Um, it takes them longer to get the knee moving the way that it was before. Uh, but usually there aren't a whole lot of complications. You've seen, I've seen guys come back in two, three weeks um, and be pretty effective uh, afterwards. So especially in the, in the case when it's just like a little bone chip, uh, a lot of times the, 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 it's just irritating the crap out of them. Think of it as like having a little pebble in your shoe, yeah. uh, except that's an in your knee joint. As soon as you remove the pebble, you don't have any issues anymore. So uh, those are the ones that if you find out it's just a bone chip or a bone spur, um, they'll, they'll clean that out. And then usually those guys bounce back pretty quick. Yeah. And, um, so let, let's stay, let's stay with the knees then. Obviously Todd, Todd Gurley is the story that we've, um, had rammed down our throats for months and months and months. Oh, and since overrated. Yeah. I know, tell me about it. But, um, obviously the, with the knee joining the complexity of the joint, there's a lot of things that you can go on. You mentioned obviously Sandy Michelle there with meniscus. Obviously the common one is the, is the ACL, ACL injuries. And you mentioned uh, a bit earlier on saying about, you know, 
how I suppose even the podcasts I listen to, you know, ACL injuries are kind of taken granted for a bit more, saying, "Oh, okay, yeah, it's just going to be nine months and, and they'll, they'll be back." And that obviously affects different you know, different positions in different ways. Obviously, Carson Wentz is is a recent one uh, as as well. Do we maybe just we uh, take a minute or two to, to talk about you know, obviously an ACL tear? Obviously, there's a couple as well. You obviously got PCL, MCL, and all the rest of them as well. So maybe you just want to um, decipher some of those those. Um, abbreviations that, that we have and talk about obviously what what is involved in an ACL tear and how, how they stick it back together and you know the rehab uh, process yeah so obviously it's the knee is a complex joint pretty much every joint in your body is complex in some way shape or form but uh, when we're talking about ligaments it's basically just holding the bones together um, providing stability so you have four major ligaments in your in your knee you have the ACL and PCL they're in the middle of your knee um, they keep the tibia from basically going forward and backwards on the knee. Um, and then you have your MCL and PCL. Your MCL is your medial collateral ligament. It's on the inside of the knee. And then the LCL is the lateral collateral li- ligament, which is on the outside. So they're actually named for exactly where they are, anterior, posterior, medial, lateral. I mean, those are just anatomical terms of where they're located. Um, the, the problem is, is that what happens to um, is a guy plants his foot so the bottom half of his leg is stuck in one position and then he tries to twist and turn the top and the foot doesn't move with the knee so the bones basically just shear uh, they, they, they run together and they twist and they shear the ACL um, the ACL is the most likely one to be sheared just because of where it's located a lot of times you'll find um, if they're, if it's a contact injury they'll have an LCL or LCL uh, injury or Sorry, did I say LCL, LCL? They'll have an MCL or LCL on top of the ACL. Um, And the reason that those are important is because if you have an ACL by itself, it's a lot easier. It's considered a clean tear. Um, and it's, it's, they return quicker. If you have an ACL and an LCL, like Carson Wentz did, uh, the recovery timeline is actually pushed out, uh, as opposed to like nine to 12 months. Now you're looking at like 11 to 13 months. Um, so with a guy like Wentz, I was telling everyone, like, you're overdrafting him. He was going as the QB5. Uh, he was doomed to have a bad season last year just because of the nature of his injury, because it wasn't just a straight ACL. That was the one that got all the, the hype, but it was ACL and LCL. So you have to take those little differences uh, in mind when you're, when you're evaluating these injuries. But as far as, like, um, as far as, like, the, the ACL injuries themselves – uh, the history of ACLs has, they've progressively gotten better at it. It, it doesn't, it now gets a rap of just, oh, well, you know, bad luck. He'll be back at a hundred percent next year. <laughs> and that's not always the case. Um, we're seeing guys return quicker. Um, we're seeing your Cooper cups of the worlds that are, you know, back on the field in you know, six or seven months and should be playing by, by nine months. The problem is, is that all the research that's out right now shows that they don't actually get to pre-injury production levels until 12 So even though they're returning, they're returning in nine months and you're expecting them, well, if they're back, if they're playing, if they're cleared to play, they should be the same old guy. But the, the, all the data shows that it actually takes them a full 12 to get back to the point where they're producing it where they were before the injury. So... Uh, there's a lot of intricacies and it's one of the things that we talked about. Part of the reason I got into this was because I was so frustrated with just people that didn't know enough about it. 
talking about ACLs like they were just not not a big deal. And and the the, the difference is is that uh, these guys aren't just like going back to their daily lives. They're they're NFL football players. They have three hundred pound dudes falling on their knees every day. Uh, they have different stresses than what you or I have. So yeah, um, when you hear about oh, you should be back to doing things normally. A normal person is back doing things pretty at a pretty high level, yeah. even just a recreational athlete, a pretty high level in about s- between six and nine months. Mm-hmm. The reason that NFL t- players take so much longer is because they're totally, the stresses that their bodies have to be able to endure is completely different yeah. than just like your average weekend basketball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it's definitely uh, an injury that I think they're getting better at, treating and they're getting the rehab techniques are getting better the surgery techniques are getting better as we go uh but there's it's still a major injury and people tend to people that are downplaying that uh don't know enough about what's happening in those knees so uh it's a frustrating topic for me because i just want people to understand that yes i know they're coming back in nine months but if they're not producing the way they were until 12 months but you're paying for them to produce that way from nine months, you're you're losing that investment. So, yeah, it's, uh, definitely yeah. one of the ones that I think is downplayed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, especially it's, it's the it's the classic, isn't it? Where you know, since like say Cooper Cup returns to training and looks good in training. I mean, that's training. He's doing training. It's nothing to do with produ- mm-hmm. production on the field. I think that's where obviously the uh, the misconception kind of gets lost a little bit for for maybe the more casual fan. But yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, anyone anyone can get back and, and train to 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 a high level, but it's, it's obviously producing that on the field as well, which is obviously the where people I suppose get frustrated and send out some stupid stuff on Twitter saying why is he not doing this that and the other. But um, we can we can look forward to that in, <laughs> no doubt in a couple of weeks when uh, Cooper Cup maybe struggles for the first couple of weeks, but uh, but we shall see. Um, just a, just a further point on the on obviously the, on the knee uh, with knee injuries, maybe you know. I wonder if actually if anyone's ever played knee ligament bingo because there's obviously ACL, ACL and all the diff- all the different CLs <laughs> you could have there. But so that could be a fun game. Maybe we'll do that on the podcast have a, a bit later on down the line. But yeah, with with knees, obviously it can affect all the other parts of of the of the leg. And do do you find that from with knee injuries that I suppose we can talk into to soft tissue a little bit as well and hamstrings obviously is a common one for preseason. But when obviously when someone's been out for so long and knee injuries are obviously as brutal as they are, does that does that make those players that have had those knee injuries a bit more susceptible to to other injuries because of the uh, the lack of movement and lack of strength that's that's gone into the muscle? Obviously, not they're not going to be doing weights and training as, as often. Does, obviously, that has a knock on effect on the mus- on the muscular side of things as well. Well, yeah, absolutely. There is uh, definitely a, a Dar- lot of Darius research Geist that obviously shows. is a common one as well. Sorry, what did you say? Uh, Darius Geist is obviously the common the example there. Yeah, Darius Geist is a little uh, a little bit different because he had the infection issues, mm-hmm. um, which pro- which uh, slowed his uh, recovery because he couldn't get back into rehabbing as quickly as he wanted to because he had to keep going back in for procedures. But as far as like muscles, very common that you see uh, hamstring, pulled hammy, um, ankle issues, uh, things down the line, even opposite ACL tears, uh, not as common, but you know, a guy like Jake Butt has had three ACL tears. There's a genetic component to your ACL tearing. And if you see a guy with an ACL tear, you have to know that the other side is now at risk for uh, the same injury. They're they're at a, automatically they're at a heightened risk. They're already already at a heightened risk for all these compensatory injuries as well. Because when you have a, a knee 
that is deficient in some way. Uh, the other leg, just the way that we're wired is the other side now compensates more for the weakness in the injured uh, injured leg. It doesn't matter what the injury is. It could be an ankle. It could be a knee. It could be a hip. Um, could be a back. It, your body is designed to compensate uh, very effectively. We're very good at cheating uh, when we have an injury. Anytime, even if you're just like favoring the one side, you may not even know that you're favoring it, but your body is hardwired to favor it because it's trying to let it heal. Um, I'm sure that this was a very effective uh, mechanism, you know, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, when when you would get attacked by a tiger or something, uh, <laughs> that your body would now compensate to let you like still function as uh, as a uh, as a human. But the problem is, is that these NFL athletes are training to get back to that level as quickly as possible, and a lot of times those little compensations that they may not even realize that they're doing put them at risk. Mm-hmm for your hamstring strains, for an ankle injury, for a calf strain, um, because those those muscles are working harder to compensate for the fact that their knee on the other side is not uh, not at 100%. So, yes, lots of research out there that shows that, that players with coming off ACL tears specifically tend to have a higher risk for your, your soft tissue injuries. Yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly attest to that as well. A couple of years ago, I think I, think I broke a, a rib or two. And um, this is when I was training to be a sports massage therapist, actually. And we were doing classroom, um, like physical classroom activities. So we were doing um, kind of, uh, what's the word? When you, you, st- you stand someone up and, and have a look at them and see what, what what they're presenting with, and they were saying, "Oh, have you got something wrong with you?" And I said, "Oh yeah, I've hurt my ribs." And they was like, "Oh, I can I can tell because I'm I'm leant over to one just you know slightly to one side, but I think I'm straight, um, but I'm obviously bending over to one side, obviously t- taking trying to take care of the rib that's that's obviously hurt itself and all the intercostal muscles and all that going on mm-hmm. in there as well. So yeah, yeah, it's it's say the brain just tells us to to get on with it and tries to kind of put it in the put it in the back back of your mind that you've got those injuries and just to, to, to keep you going as well so yeah i can certainly uh, attest attest to that as well uh, i mentioned obviously about um, ankle sprains and uh, obviously fantasy football wise uh, low ankle sprains are more um not desired because obviously we don't want any injuries at all but obviously high ankle sprains put uh, put the players a bit more uh, out for a bit longer so do you remember to talk about the difference between low, low ankle sprains and high ankle sprains yeah, and I think that um, that's what, this is one where reporting is important because mm-hmm. when you hear just ankle sprain, that no. doesn't tell you enough. No. Um, if you can get high or low, that, that really does make a huge difference. A low ankle sprain is basically one of the ligaments that attach the long bones of the shin to the ankle bones themselves. Uh, this is kind of a classic, you know, you twisted your ankle, you rolled your ankle um, injury in which the, the ankles that are lower on the ankle joint itself um, are stretched or torn to the point where uh, they're no longer allowed to uh, provide that stability to the ankle. So um, usually you manage this with just uh, your classic rice, so rest, ice, compression, elevation. Um, and usually players can get back pretty quickly because you can actually brace the ankle with some type of ankle brace that allows the, the ligaments to still heal yeah. without necessarily putting uh, – putting them undue stress onto them. So um, low ankle sprains are a lot quicker to recover from because you can just brace the ankle and let the brace do the work um, as opposed to relying solely on the ligaments themselves. Mm -hmm. High ankle sprains are trickier. So the sprain is actually 
a tear in the ligament called the syndesmosis, which is a thick piece of tissue that attaches, that combines the two bones in your shin, um, your tibia and fibula. So it's a really thick piece of tissue that basically anytime you step, those two bones want to kind of split out away from each other like a wishbone. And when that's intact, that prevents that from happening. When it's not intact, it just keeps, they just will keep pulling apart. I'm not saying your, your bone, your ankle is going to like wishbone apart, but there should be some movement, but not nearly as much as when it gets torn. Um, this is obviously higher up in the ankle, which is why it's called a a high ankle sprain. Mm -hmm. And basically what happens is, is that they're more challenging to heal because the bones still want to pull apart every time you step on the ankle. So if you think about it, like if you're, if you're, if you have a torn rubber band and you keep pulling the rubber band apart every day, Mm -hmm. the rubber band is never going to like come back together. And the way that we heal is the tissues come together to heal. So if you're constantly pulling them apart, they're never going to heal. Um, but this is this is an interesting one because there is some some not necessarily new techniques, but uh, more commonly now, you're seeing what's called a tightrope procedure, which basically uh, before the the way that they they healed um, a high ankle sprain was they would just drill a screw between the two bones, and then that screw would hold them <laughs> together and prevent them from splitting apart to keep tearing, and then eventually the the, the ligament itself would heal. Now they're using what's called a tightrope procedure, which basically they drill a hole through the two bones and then they put a, um, basically like a wire through and it secures the bones together, which prevents them from splitting apart, which allows you to heal faster. Um, you can't brace a high ankle sprain. You can't put a brace uh, around the outside of the ankle to do this. So what this tightrope procedure does is it creates a way to brace the two bones together. Um, Emmanuel Sanders had this done on his opposite ankle this offseason. But the big one, and I think the reason we're going to see this more often, this surgery specifically, was Tua Tagliovia. So if you follow any college football, he's the Alabama quarterback. He's a stud, probably going to be a top five draft pick next season in the NFL. He had this done and actually returned from a high ankle sprain in about two weeks, which is just unreal. Normally, uh, return to play from a high ankle sprain is – anywhere from six to 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so much longer than a low ankle sprain and the symptoms from a high ankle sprain can last, uh, upwards to a year, possibly even more. Manuel Sanders, when he had the procedure done, that injury was actually from 2017. Um, but he, it was bothering him so much still that he actually opted to have another surgery so that he could let that heal this off season. So, um, high ankle sprains, I think we're going to see more of the tightrope procedures done at the NFL level just because they are always after whatever gets these players back faster. Um, but but high ankle sprains are almost always considered worse than low ankle sprains. Absolutely. We, we, we're becoming right more uh, more and more like robots every day, aren't we, with all this stuff that, that we're doing in there. But, uh, yeah, scary stuff. But, yeah, bloody hell, two weeks, that's, uh, that's, that, that is some going. Um, got one, one, one left to, to put you away, Ethan. Um, it's one, again, I think, um, depending on the different grades, everyone kind of seems to bucket it together. It's uh, obviously concussions. Um, now, you can obviously have different uh, different grades of concussion in which, you know, symptoms and timetables are, are all very different. But I know as soon as someone thinks or, you know, the casual fan or maybe fantasy 
football players see concussion, think, "All right, he'll be he'll be right in a couple of days. He'll just go and throw up for a couple of a couple of times, and he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll be he'll be all right." But it's obviously not quite that simple. So, do you just want to take us through the different grades of concussions uh, and and the timelines for those? And obviously, it's, it's a key a uh, key thing for the NFL and the and the safety of of the players. Yeah, concussions are big right now, but the problem with grading them is that it varies so much. I think when I when I when you when I saw this question on the show sheet, I was really curious because obviously we're taught a few different grading systems in school, but I really wanted to see how many there were. And according to Wikipedia, so uh, if you're a non-Wikipedia person, uh, <laughs> take this with a grain of salt. Yep. Uh, they said there are over 16 different classification systems oh, wow. used for concussions right now, which seems like ridiculous to me that we haven't standardized it. Um, but I'm going to talk about the two most important ones and then uh, because I think these are the two that the NFL uses. So... Uh, obviously, there are a lot of different ones. Um, you're looking for symptoms for concussion can vary uh, very much between uh, each individual case. So a lot of times you're going to have a com- some combination of confusion, slurred speech, sensitivity to light. Uh, think of it like migraine or a headache, um, nausea, vomiting, memory loss, blur symptoms minutes they can last a couple days you could have a guy like kobe fleener that is now uh, years removed from his last per- uh, concussion still having symptoms so uh, i think the big thing for me and the thing that i always preach when i'm talking about concussions is this is a brain injury the injury is the brain itself um, your brain is very important so if you injure it it's it's <laughs> a very big deal um, Spoiler alert, i think sometimes Sometimes we lose that uh, that fact there that uh, this is a brain injury. So especially when we're talking about NFL players that come back so quickly. But the easiest grading system is the numeric system, which is based on the Colorado Medical Society. Um, it's a, kind of the old system, uh, but it's it's from 1991. Uh, basically, grade one, two, or three. Grade one is a very mild concussion. Symptoms usually last less than 24 hours. Um, sometimes only a few minutes. Basically, this is your, hey, I got my bell rung, um, and you come off. If anybody has played football, they've probably had one of these, yep. a very mild concussion where they basically get hit in the head, and they're like, oh, my gosh, like I'm seeing stars, but I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and then after about 15 minutes, uh, players can usually return if it's their first concussion. Second concussion, um, return to play is usually a week um, if it's a mild concussion. So if you have one, it's usually all right after a few minutes. Those are the guys that, oh, man, I'm kind of shook up. But you see them back again. Um, the second one usually is a week. And, again, I'm going to give you a return to play. This is standard. Um, this is not what the NFL follows. They have their own uh, – each each medical staff has their own um, docs on staff that make these decisions for these players. Uh, this is what, if I had an athlete that came into my clinic, these are the these are the return to plays that I would use. Um, NFL players don't follow the same rules as normal people. Uh, so with a grade two, that moderate concussion, symptoms are usually lasting more than 24 hours, uh, but the, the player doesn't actually lose consciousness, so they don't get knocked out. Um, but... The symptoms obviously last much longer, so it takes longer for them to return to play. Usually the first time, if it's the first concussion that they've had, you're looking at a week. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of times these are the guys that maybe they miss one week and then they're back in week two. Um, or maybe they don't miss, you know, maybe they go into the concussion protocol, but then they're back out of it by Thursday or Friday and playing um, by Sunday. 
the second concussion is, is the standard is two weeks with a physician approval if they have a moderate concussion. Grade three, these are the most severe concussions. Usually the symptoms are lasting longer than a week. Um, usually these players lose consciousness. There's two subclasses of this, A or B. A is they lose consciousness for a few seconds, so they basically get knocked out and then they wake back up. B is a few minutes. These are your most severe concussions. Um, this is like the guy knocks out, gets knocked out, and he's not moving for like minutes afterwards. Um, for, for A, uh, the standard for return to play, and this is where this is where the NFL gets a little loose with the 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 standard versus the NFL. If a guy gets knocked out for a few seconds, the return to play should be a month for their first concussion. And if they did a, a second concussion of a few seconds, uh, it's six months. Obviously, no NFL player is. M- most NFL players are not. Uh, not sitting out for a full six months. Mm. Um, and then a B where the uh, grade three B concussion where they're out for a few minutes, it's six months and a year. So um, obviously the NFL that follows their own rules, they have, uh, they follow kind of a mix between this and the new way, which is by the American neurological society, which is basically all of the players in the NFL. Um, and now a lot in high school too, in the U S and college, they take a test uh, before they're ever injured. Um, and then the test is individualized for that person. They keep track of the, you know, how they do on this test. It's a pretty, pretty hard test. You, I think you can look it up online and actually take it. Um, but then they use the results from their first test, and then they take subsequent tests after an injury. Um, and then those subsequent tests are compared to the first test. If they are, you know, pretty comparable, then the player should be pretty close to being being ready to come back. Um, much more common now, but obviously not foolproof. You get people trying to cheat the test. They they intentionally do bad on the first one, so their scores are low, lower. So it's there's no foolproof way. <laughs> so a lot of times the NFL is making the decision based off of uh, the individual themselves, the symptoms that they're presenting with, and the medical staff's decision. So if you ask me personally. I think the NFL has a concussion issue. Um, I do think that they're being pretty loose with their concussion protocols um, across the board. I mean, every, some teams are a little bit more conservative, but I think just because of the nature of the injury being a brain injury um, and the, the nature of the sport being so much contact, I do feel like the NFL could continue to do a better job. And me personally, this is, and I have no say in this whatsoever um, because I'm not affiliated with the NFL, but I really feel like, looking towards the future we are going to have mandatory one week off um when players are diagnosed with concussions now that's going to open a whole new box of worms because you're going to have guys lying about their symptoms and all that um but i really truly feel like um the nfl is going to reach a point where the public outcry with all the cte data that's coming out um is going to reach a point where they say if you get diagnosed with a concussion you are sitting for at least one game after that so uh, will that actually happen? I don't know. Again, I don't make any decisions here, but I, I think that we could be approaching that for the NFL, which would suck for us because I like to watch players play football, but I also like players to, you know, have brains when they get done. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, but I, I could see the NFL going that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I say it's also about kind of aftercare wise, after they've retired and, you know, you don't want any complications later on in life. And obviously way back in the days when, you know, that wasn't kind of the uh, the forefront of, of people's minds. Uh, excuse the cliche. But yeah, you know, I've had a few hits when, when I've been playing my, myself and, you know, 
it's it's the speed that the the, the hits are at. I mean, and as well, you know, some non-NFL uh, American football people wonder why we wear pads and helmets, and you know, what you, all you have to do is play one quarter, and then you you figure out why. But you know, the brain the brain itself is very finely tuned and and fitted in the skull, isn't it? And say so even just a to, just a slight hit, just it wobbles the the brain a little bit, and um, yeah, yeah. I, I say I can I can understand if the NFL go that way uh, a bit later on in the future. But even before um, we we round out, do you respect? Are there any under, underrated injuries maybe that we haven't spoken about yet or injuries, again, that you know, assume people will just come back from quite quickly? I suppose um, what comes to mind is maybe fingers or, or toes or thumbs or feet. Um, you know, Derwin James has just um, had a, was it a stress fracture to his fifth metatarsal or something? Metatarsals, uh, we know over here, obviously, David Beckham and... Uh, uh, way back in in soccer years and years ago about his metatarsal and World Cup fitness and all the rest of it, but yeah, I, I suppose like metatarsal and foot or hand injuries. Is there anything there that maybe we want to, we want to talk about before we, we we round off? Yeah, I've got I've got two, and we'll go pretty quick here. But foot injuries are obviously uh, a major concern because it's not like a knee or a hip or even a shoulder. Because you can't, there's not much you could do as far as rehabbing the foot, um, and. Just like when we talked about with ankles, you have to step on your foot. Uh, so if you're constantly battering something that's injured, I mean, the best way to heal is to rest. Um, but you can't rehab, you can't walk, you can't do anything without putting some kind of weight through your foot. So um, the foot is really complex. And when you injure a bone in the foot, it's not like you can just like cast one bone of your foot. I mean, you have to basically cast the whole thing if you cast it at all. Mm. Um, and they almost always require surgery to fixate them because the bones move a lot. So foot injuries are one that I don't, I don't play around with foot injuries. If a guy has a major foot injury in the preseason, he's not going to be on any of my fantasy rosters. Um, the other one, which you mentioned, so you probably could talk a little bit more on this, uh, than I could, but, um, rib injuries are very much, uh, there is from what I've been told, again, I've never had a rib injury. Broken ribs are incredibly painful, and every single breath hurts. Yep. So if I hear a guy has broken a rib, I immediately say, two to four weeks, he's probably not going to be any use for me in fantasy. And yeah, he might play. Ty Montgomery played with a, with a rib injury, uh, but then it eventually re-aggravated the rib injury, and then he's basically useless for the rest of the year because you don't – you can't breathe. I mean, you literally hurts to breathe, and if, and if anybody – if anybody who's had a rib injury and you can speak on this, you don't ever forget that you have a rib injury. Even if you're like playing at a high level, sometimes with an ankle sprain, you can kind of forget uh, that your ankle's really bothering you because of the heat or the motion, everything. You don't forget about rib injuries. They are with you the whole time, every single breath. And when you realize how many times you breathe, you realize how painful they can be. So um, maybe you can speak on that a little bit more than I can, but those are the two that I, 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 don't think get enough um, credence when it comes to people talking about injuries. Yeah, absolutely. Ribs, ribs are a funny one. I mean, it's, it's, you're you're in a weird place when you fear when a sneeze is coming. When your when your nose starts twitching and you know a sneeze is coming, you, there's nothing you can do, and you, you essentially just have to to suck up and you sneeze, and then the the, the cry afterwards is is uh, yeah wasn't 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 a fun time. I've done it a few times. Um, yes, it's certainly even even just walking or just reaching up or yawning yawning's another one you 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 know 
And um, like we were saying earlier about uh, the body kind of uh, compensating for for injuries, it's amazing how much shorter your your breaths are when you when you do hurt your ribs. So yeah, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish uh, bad ribs on on anyone. Anyone, yeah, I say literally takes at least a month before you can even um, fancy sneezing or yawning, you know, without without any pain. But uh, yeah, ribs certainly, yeah, it's one one that uh, I'll never, I'll never wish upon any any player or any any of my enemies. But uh, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, I don't don't recommend it. Um, okay, cool. That that was a pr- pretty in depth. I, I've certainly learned a few things today, especially about the uh, the ankle sprains as well. That the um, the tightrope and stuff is, sounds sounds fascinating. I have to do a bit more uh, on that. But Ethan, uh, just maybe want to tell. I don't think we did it at the top of the show where people can find you and your work because I'm sure you'll now be bombarded with with uh, AJ Green uh, questions and, and and Andrew Luck questions as well. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at eTurnerFF underscore PT. Um, I do a lot of, I tweet a lot about football, um, obviously a lot about injuries. I try to keep things updated as much as possible. Um, I've been dabbling in a little bit of IDP. So um, uh, the nice thing about talking about injuries is you don't really have to know that much about the defensive side of things because the players are still human. So (laughs) I know how their bodies work and how they recover. So um, that's the good news there. But, uh, Twitter is basically where you find, um, pretty much anything I do is, is going to be posted on Twitter. Obviously, um, uh, not writing as much anymore, but dynasty com. I do, a uh, um, a big digest with them for rookies and I go through injury histories and assess injury risk based on those histories. So you can go by that. I think you can get the injury database for like four bucks, um, which is, you can't find anything like it, um, on the market. So you know, for $4, you can get the injury history of these guys as they come into the NFL. Uh, good information to have there. Obviously, uh, follow all the writers and things at Dynasty Happy Hour and FF Statistics because I'm, I'm, I'm basically you'll see things that I've done have influenced their writing. Uh, if they're talking about guys with injury. Um, and then I have a lot of projects coming up, like I said. So um, I know you guys you guys know the Five Yard Rush podcast. I'm going to be making, uh, we're not sure yet if it's weekly or biweekly um, appearances, talking about injuries on there, but a lot of podcasting um, and, and audio and video content coming out this season. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about injuries throughout the year and keep everybody up to date. Absolutely. Yeah, the Five Yard Rush, I'm very good friends with Five Yard Rushers as well. So they've, they've beaten us to the punter a little bit because I was going to offer an invite there, but uh, seems like you can have your hands tied. I can do both. <laughs> I can do both. I'm, I like being busy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, we, we'd no doubt like to have you on uh, during the season to, to talk, say, obviously some of the bigger injuries and maybe some storylines there. So that, that would be great. But Ethan, yeah, really appreciate you coming on and bestowing some uh, some knowledge uh, for, the, for the listeners out there. And I'll say hopefully uh, some people would be encouraged to get in touch about uh, you know, AJ Green and Andrew Luck and all the rest of them as well but maybe some some guys that play over this side of the pond as well maybe some injuries they have maybe you can maybe you can help them out as well but yeah really appreciate your time coming on and as I say good luck with all your projects and all the different uh, all the different honeypots that you've got your hands in yeah absolutely thanks for having me on man I really appreciate it There you go. Part one, all done. Real appreciation goes out to Ethan for spending a bit of time with us as well. But that's going to do it for part one. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow for part two, where Rob will be talking to Jesse Morris again from a more of a fantasy football impact. So people that are maybe injured at the moment, or maybe things that people that have had injuries like Cooper Cup, etc., etc. Uh, you know what you can expect from them this season. But that's going to do it for the podcast today. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you can. Really, really appreciate it. Don't forget later in the week again, we'll be revealing what we are 
are planning Arsenal on the uh, on the regular season there. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I've been Timothy Lambert Monk. I've been your host. Again, we'll speak to you very soon indeed. Be the great words of Kevin Cadle. It's a bye bye for now. A bye bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com